Samuel chapter 21 is where we're going to be going this morning. Um, I did not preface it at the beginning, but uh, Jaden had asked me if I would. And uh, so I'll go ahead and preface it and let you know um, that this is my very least favorite Sunday to preach because I feel so inadequate to come up and to tell a bunch of mamas what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> and uh, Mother's Day is always my least favorite um, Sunday to preach. In fact, Jamie, over the year, a couple of different times, she's taken that responsibility from me. Uh, but this morning, I'm going to do it. So I'm just going to do the best that I know how to do. And I want all of you moms out there to know how much I love and appreciate you. And I'm well aware of how hardworking every mother is, and there is no way that I can adequately, I'm not here to straighten you out this morning, I'm here to encourage you with the scriptures this morning. Somebody say amen. Amen. The book of 2 Samuel chapter 21, we're going to start in verse 8, and uh, I'm going to read uh, two or three verses here uh, out of the NIV. But the king took Armani and Mephibosheth, the two sons of Aah's daughter, Rizpah, whom she had born to Saul, together with five sons of Saul's daughter, Merib, whom she had born to Adriel, son of Barzilia, the Meholite. He handed them over to the Gibeonites, who killed and exposed them on a hill before the Lord. All seven of them fell together, they were put to death during the first days of the harvest, just as the barley harvest was beginning. Put a little pause right there. I know some of you are like, this is the most morbid Mother's Day. You don't need to preach any mother. But hold on, I'm coming to this verse 10. i got to set the stage. Verse 10, Rizpah, daughter of Aiah, took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on a rock. From the beginning of the harvest till the rain poured down from the heavens on the bodies, she did not let the birds of the air touch them by day or the wild animals by night. I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on the Rizpa spirit. Father, we just thank you and praise you so much for what you've done today. I do thank you for every mother that is here today. I thank you, Lord, for what they do for us as people, God, as they care for us and nurture us and pray for us. And Father, I pray for those that still have the ability to be with their mom, whether it's in person today or whether it's by a phone call today. I pray that you just let there be that contact. And Lord, as, as I know there are those that are here today that, that their moms have gone on. They're no longer with us today. And I pray that you give them the comfort and the peace that they need right now in the name of Jesus, that you would just wrap your arms around them. And Lord, though we know there's no replacing ever our moms, I pray that, Lord, the joy of our families, God, would, would then help to make that void field, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I pray today that you'd anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so necessary to do what you've called me to do, Lord. Open every heart, mind, and spirit. Lord, do what only you can here in this place. We give you thanks for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated here today. This to me is a very interesting story 
about a mother in the Bible. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, as we were leaving the 9 o'clock service, I had a, a very seasoned saint come to me and tell me, said that, you know, she really, she knows she's read it because she's read the Bible through many times. But it's one of those stories that she just never really stopped and 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 dug into and thought about. It. And isn't, there, isn't that just like the Bible? It's so rich and so deep that even though, uh, you know, we've read it and sometimes we just, we pass through it and we don't stop and take it. This is a very interesting story to me. Rispa was one of Saul's concubines who had given him two sons, Mephibosheth. Now, this is not the Mephibosheth. For those of you that know the history of the Bible, you know that there was another Mephibosheth who was crippled, and Armani. This is not that Mephibosheth who was born to, how many of you remember David had a friend who was Saul's son whose name was Jonathan, who also had a son named Mephibosheth. That Mephibosheth, that is not the same Mephibosheth. I don't know. They ran out of names in the Bible sometimes. You'll be reading through here, and you'll be reading these names. Yes, they have the same names. This is not the same Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth went on to live. He ate at the King David's table. So this is a different one. This is Rizpah's son, Mephibosheth, and Aranim. They were these two sons that belonged to Rizpah, who were also Saul was their father. Now, we come to this place in the story in chapter 21 of the book of 2 Samuel, and we find that something has happened. Previous to this, Saul, when he was king, he became very overzealous. He wanted to please people, and he had slaughtered a people called the Gibeonites. He had killed nearly every one of them. The problem with that, you say, well, if you've read the Old Testament, you say they killed people all the time, and God even told them to take out different nations and everything. The problem with this, though, they had made a covenant with them and had promised to not kill them. But Saul had overstepped his bounds and done this. And now years after Saul's death, David was king of the land. And the Bible tells us in the beginning of chapter 21 that they were now in a three year famine. For three years, the land had been in famine. For three years, things had been going bad. And David did what David usually did when things went wrong. He knew where to go. He went to the Lord. The Bible said that he began to seek the face of God. And he began to ask the Lord, Lord, what is wrong? What's going on in our land? Why are we in this famine? And God then sent the word to him, spoke, and said that the reason that the land was going through the famine is because of this heinous act that Saul had committed unto the Gibeonites. And so David said, we've got to get this corrected. We need to figure out how we can get this famine fixed in our land. And so David then went to the Gibeonites, and he began to ask them, what do you think would be fair retribution? Saul did you wrong. He should not have done this to you. What can we do to make this right? And so after some discussion, they came to the consensus that they would take seven of Saul's descendants and hang them on a tree. We find that they carried out the execution without giving these seven descendants a proper 
burial. In fact, when we read in Scripture, we find that for nearly six months, these seven sons of Saul by different mothers hung on this tree. In fact, I'm not trying to be gross, but how many of you know there's just some stuff in the Bible and it's just gross. But the Bible, we find that their flesh began to rot and fall off of their bones. We find that they were hanging there. How many of y'all know, some of y'all hunt, some of y'all know what have you seen dead carcasses. When you leave dead stuff out in the wild for very long at all, stuff's going to rot, stuff's going to decay. Wild animals are going to begin to come and do their thing. They hung there so long that probably many who passed by there didn't even seem to notice it anymore. They hung there for nearly six months. Also, what was not noticed most likely was that there was one mother who was there by the name of Rizpah. Everybody say Rizpah. There was a mother there whose name was Rizpah and two of those seven bodies that were hanging there were the bodies of two of her sons. And she had camped out under this tree. She had spread, the Bible tells us here in our story, she had spread sackcloth on a rock and started a vigil that would last nearly six months. Can you imagine? I want you to take a moment and picture this, would you, for a moment? As we read here in our text, we read that she spread sackcloth and ashes. She was there until the as the harvest was beginning, she spread it out, and it said, until the rain poured down from the heavens on the bodies. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this mama. Come on, mamas. I want you to think about this mama as her, the bodies of her boys that she loves so much that for six months she camped out here on this rock. I can see the lightning. I can see the rain. I can see all of this. But that mama Rizpa just would not quit, just would not let up. She would not stop. What was her desire because in the day the scripture said she would take that sackcloth and she would beat the birds of the air. Once again, I'm not trying to be gross, but this is just in the Bible. In the daytime, you know that birds, come on, if y'all drove down the road in Mississippi very much, you've seen some roadkill and you've seen buzzards and you've seen all kind of birds try to pick at that carcass and human beings aren't any different. The birds of the air would come and they'd try to pick away at those bodies and Rizpah would take that sackcloth and she would shoo away those birds. Those other five bodies, their, their mama wasn't there, but Rizpah said, I, I'm not going to let my baby's bodies be devoured by the birds. And then turn around at night. At nighttime, y'all know all kind of stuff comes out. Coyotes come out at night. All kind of beasts of the field begin to come out at night. And at nighttime, those beasts would come out and they begin to jump at it. They begin to try to crawl at it and eat the bodies. But the Bible said that she would shoo away the beasts of the field and the birds of the air all to protect the bodies. What did she want? She wanted to see her boys get a decent burial and she would not quit until the job was done. Mothers, I'm telling you, this gives to me an example. I'm just in the introduction, but I see what time it is. It gives another example to me of why, why this is my least favorite Sunday because I don't want to get up because I know how dedicated mothers are. I know how much mothers love their children, how much they're willing to give, how much they're willing to sacrifice, and they will not 
quit until the job is done. We find at the end of the story that word finally did get to David and he sent for the bodies of Saul's sons and finally gave them that burial of honor that she desired. But throughout this story, the love of a mother and the extreme things she was willing to do for her sons that were already dead, I believe we can find some some symbolism that is not just for mothers today, but all of us can use these as instruction. Are you ready? Let's look at the first thing. The first thing that we find in Scripture and in this story is the sackcloth. Everybody say sackcloth. That's kind of pitiful. Somebody say it again. Say sackcloth. There we go. That's a little bit better. We find that this sackcloth was here. Now, throughout Scripture, we find that sackcloth usually represents Two things. One, repentance, and two is intercession. You see, some of you may be saying, what in the world is sackcloth? Well, I'm glad you asked. The best way I know how to describe sackcloth is it's basically like a burlap sack material. How many of you know what a burlap sack is, you know? With Molly, Kate, and them, they just had field day uh, at school on Friday, and they did the sack race. Come on, how many ever been in a burlap sack before, done a sack race? That stuff, it's rough, it's hard, it's not comfortable. You know, this morning, I'm, I'm thankful I got a cotton, nice cotton t-shirt up underneath this dress shirt here, you know. I've got, I got this dress shirt on. It's all nice and comfortable. I got some nice soft socks on, but you know what? Sackcloth is not comfortable. Y'all got any, don't you just love summertime? Oh, y'all look comfortable. It's all that comfortable, nice, loose stuff, and it feels nice, but sackcloth was like burlap. It was not soft. It was not comfortable. It was scratchy. How many of you ever worn some scratchy stuff before? You ever been to an event? I hate it when you go to an event and then they get T-shirts for that event and they give you those that event and they give you those old cheap nappy cotton shirts that are scratchy and itchy. Come on, somebody and hot. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Having to wear that thing around, I don't ever want to know. That's what that's what sackcloth. It represents something that was not comfortable. It represents something that you don't enjoy. Sackcloth is that. It represents repentance and intercession. And we find that most Old Testament prophets preached in sackcloth and required that Israel put it on as well during times of national. Revival. Why was that? Because it took them out of their comfort. Listen to your pastor for just a moment this morning. If we are ever going to get to the place where God can speak to us, if we are ever going to get to the place where God will hear us, God throughout his word tells us time and time again as he calls them into sackcloth and ashes, he's calling us to pull us out of our place of comfort. When God needs to speak to you, it's harder to speak to us when we're comfortable. It's harder to speak to us when when everything's good and hunky-dory, when God wants to speak to us, he has to pull us out of our comfort and put us into a place of discomfort because it's usually then that we start shutting this and opening up this to listen, God, what do you want me to hear? It was also a symbol of intercession. Sackcloth, when a prophet would go to prayer, he would dress in sackcloth and cover his head with ashes. The book of Daniel chapter 9 and verse 3 says, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and 
ashes. So we find that Rizpah sackcloth reveals the power of intercessory prayer. When Rizpah took this sackcloth and she laid it out upon the rock and she used it to fight off the birds and she used it to fight off the beasts of the fields. I'm talking to some mamas but I'm going to talk to some daddies and some brothers and sisters too. There is no more powerful weapon in our spiritual arsenal than the power of intercessory prayer. I'm telling you I don't care how long it's been. We may be in 2021. We're in postmodern times I know but there is no more powerful weapon that we can use than the power to get on our knees to get on our faces and to call out to the Lord God Almighty on behalf of those that we love. And folks can I be honest the best intercessors I know are mothers. I'm not going to, but I I could take a serve. I've heard testimony after testimony of people that would say, Mama just kept praying for me. I was going down a wrong path. I was heading in a wrong direction, and Mama just kept praying. I, I was doing stuff. I was into stuff that I shouldn't be doing, and they'll say, but Mama just kept on praying for me. Sackcloth, secondly, we find in this story the rock. Everybody say the rock. I'm not talking about the wrestler Dwayne Johnson either. I am talking about an actual big, hard rock. Rizpa spread her sackcloth upon a rock for almost six months. You see, I don't have to tell you today. You probably know that the rock represents Jesus Christ. What did she cover with her sackcloth? What did she put her prayers on? She put her prayers and her intercession on the rock Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't I don't mean to be offensive to anyone, but if it offends you, I'm so sorry. You can pray to Muhammad. You can pray to Buddha. You can pray to whoever you want to pray to. But listen, you will never ever ever get the kind of results that you want to get unless you spread your sackcloth and your prayers on the rock Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of institutions that you can try to pray to, but none of them can do what Jesus Christ can do. When she spread that sackcloth on the rock, she said, my hope and my trust is in the rock that is Jesus Christ. I just need to know how many mothers today have built their life and built their family on Jesus Christ. You see, we find according to Scripture that he was the rock in the wilderness from which water came forth. He is the chief cornerstone of the church. He was the foundation of the wise man's house. I learned it in Sunday school, that little song. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. But what happened? That the house stood. I just need to encourage somebody today to build your life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. How many mothers have built their life and family upon Christ? I've pastored now for 18 or so years. 
And how many times do I see on those days, Mother's Day, Easter, any time they can, mothers just trying to get their babies, come on and come to church. Come on and come to church. Come on and get on the rock with me. Every time they can, I need you. I need you to get on the rock with me. Thirdly and finally, we find symbolism in this story. We find the birds and the beasts. I want you to follow me. The birds of the air represent the efforts of Satan, who is the prince and the power of the air, according to Scripture. How many of you know that's in the Bible? Scripture said he is the prince and he is the power of the air. And there is a major attack on our sons and our daughters that's coming through the air today. You know, for a while it came through radio ways. For a while it came through television ways. But young people don't even hardly watch TV or any of that anymore. What does it come through? It still comes through the air onto this. I could give you staggering statistics. I'm not going to today. I could give you crazy, staggering statistics today on what the enemy is trying to do through our children, through pornography, through sexting, through all kind of garbage that comes through the air into these things right here. I will never forget it was sometime at Bethalto uh, uh, during a service, and, and I told him I was preaching on a message very similar to that, talking about how the enemy wants to use those devices in order to get into their lives. And I called, I said, I want every young person here, every teenager, if you got a phone, I want you to stand up, get it in your hand, I want you to come up here to the stage, I'm going to pray over your phone. And I saw some of their faces, they started getting freaked out. I said, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you for your passcode, I'm not looking in your phone. I said, but I'm about to anoint. I got the anointing on. I did. I made them. I made them stand up on the whole stage up here. And I, I said, I said, you hold that phone out. And I took the anointing oil and I prayed over every single one of those phones. Why? Because I believe that he is. Satan is, according to the scripture, the prince and the power of the air. And he wants to use those weapons in order to harm our children. But Rizpah, she wasn't going to stand for it. She took her intercession, she took her sackcloth and she beat away the bird. I need some mamas up in this house to realize that there comes a time where you've got to make sure that you don't let the enemy come through the prince and the power of the air to try to devour and destroy your children. What else do we find? Well, the birds and also we find the beasts. The beasts of the field represent drugs and alcohol. Every drink and every drug originate some way, somehow, from the field. Most everything that is smoked, snorted, ingested, or drank comes from a plant or vine. Now, I know there's synthetic stuff out there right now, but for the most part, everything that comes in that form comes originally somehow from a plant or a vine. We find statistically there are more young alcoholics in America today than ever before. Once again, we can go back to the last year, 2020, the lockdown, COVID, and you find alcohol and drug use just going crazy. One of the ministries of churches nowadays, one that I very firmly support because we very much need them. 
are rehabilitation, recovery ministries. I've preached about it. I told you I've already been down there and preached once. We're going to go down there again. Jeremy and Jennifer Smith down at McGee. They've got the men's and the women's. I, just, just over in Kilmichael over there, there's another one. Up in Nettleton, there's another one. What's going on? There are so many people. The beasts of the field represent the things that come out of the field, the drugs, the alcohol that are capturing people. We must fight them off. Oh, God. We've got to take a stand like never before. Listen, I, I, I know it sounds old-fashioned. I, I don't care if you like it or not. I've just about got to the place where I just don't care anymore. We've got to take a stand again and say, it's, it's our kids don't need them. We've got to make sure that they don't just have access to smoke what they want. Vape what they want. Drink what they want. We've got a responsibility again. I know some folks, oh, you're just, you're just so old-fashioned. Oh, call me what you want. I don't really care at this point. But as I look at Rispa, I find that she was beating off the birds of the air and the beasts of the field because she knew those were things from the enemy that wanted to try to tear her boys apart. And the enemy is still at work today, folks, until the day comes. Hey, Scripture does tell me one day that he's going to be thrown in the lake of fire never to bother us again, but that day has not yet come. And he is still, I've got two girls, I've got two girls that I cannot, I cannot let, I cannot let the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, they can call me old-fashioned, they can get mad at me if they want to, I don't really care, other parents can laugh at me, other parents can say I don't know what I'm talking about, but I have a responsibility to beat that junk away as much as I can so that the enemy does not get a hold of their lives. Now, I need you to hear me here because this, this is so critical. I see it's, I know it's 12.03. I want you, I'm almost done. But I need somebody to hear this. Rizpa did what she could, but she could not do what she would have liked to have done. Because think about what she really, really, really would have liked to have done. What she really would have liked to have done was to have taken those two boys like she did when they were just infants, cradled them in her arms and protected them from the hangman's noose. Think about that. Ultimately, I mean, she's out there fighting for a proper burial. That's not what she really, 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 what she really, 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 really would have wanted to do is to take them up and protect them and not ever let that hangman drop the noose around their neck and hang them up on that tree to die. But unfortunately, that privilege was taken away from her. She did not have the power to do that. Listen to this, Pastor, please. You can't always protect your children from everything that's going to come their way because some things are unavoidable and completely out of your control. I'm talking to you as a pastor today. I'm not, I'm not preaching as an evangelist or some why. I'm preaching as a pastor that I have seen it. I have seen godly men and women that have done everything that they can, but unfortunately because we live in a sin-cursed world, they have seen their own children fall into drugs and alcohol and, and crime, and, and they never wanted that, and they did everything they could. But, folks, I just listen to the pastor. There are some things that are out of their control. Rizba would have loved to have taken those boys and 
cradled them in their arms and protected them from the hangman's noose. But that was out of her power. You say, well, what is the solution? The solution is this. We can do some things and we must do them while we have the chance. There are some things that we still have the power to do. First of all, while they're little. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to get tired of hearing me say this, but that's all right because I'm going to keep on saying this. I am a firm believer that it is our responsibility as parents to get our kids into church. I am a firm believer that if they are going to live under my roof and eat off of my table, they don't get a choice about coming to church. I must make sure that while they are little, when they get grown, when they start paying their own bills, when they start doing their own, hey, I can't do anything then. But as long as I have control, as long as I'm providing for them, they don't get a choice. We must make up our minds that while they are small, they must be in the house of the Lord. Listen to this pastor today. I'd lot rather, I would much I've been in all kinds of churches. I've been in churches that's just dried up and dead. Ain't no more babies. Listen, I'd rather y'all chase these babies around these pews and have to take them out when they get fussy. I'd much rather that than us not have any at all. My God, please bring the children into the house of the Lord. This is the place that they need to be above all other places. Please, while they're little, get them in the church. Make sure youth group, make sure Sunday morning church is priority. Oh, I could, I could, help me Jesus, I, I'm going to get in the flesh here. I could run off, I could start you a list right now of kids whose parents that I've pastored said, oh, we're going to go and do this travel ball because they're going to get a scholarship. And I could start a list and tell you the ones that never got a scholarship or they played one semester with that scholarship or they played at a community college that they could with one season of those travel team fees, they could have paid for two or three years. Oh, God help me. You say, oh, but pastor, that teamwork is good. I'm not against sports. If you know me very much, you know. No, but I can also, I can also tell you that some of those kids right now are not in church because church was not the priority to them. Church was not the number one thing. God was not the priority to them. i got to be careful. This may go out on podcast. i got to shut up. While they are alive, listen, while they're young, and while they're alive, last service, whether you know it or not, if you've ever been to 9 o'clock, it's a little more seasoned crowd. And I spoke to them and I told them, I said, listen, I know some of y'all, you got grown kids right now. But if they're still breathing, it's not too late. It is not too late. Don't give up on them. Don't quit on them. I don't care what kind of mess they've got in their cell. I don't care if they're strung out on crack. I don't care if they're a prostitute. I don't care if they've gotten neck deep and got married in a lesbian or homosexual relationship. God can still set them free. God is still able to do it. God can change them. Please spread your intercession on the rock. 
Beat away the birds and the beasts through your prayers. Stand with me, if you will, please, this morning. I want you to see something here very remarkable that is so, so powerful, I believe. We find that after Rizbah had done this in verse 11, when David was told what Ea's daughter, Rizbah, Saul's concubine, had done, he went and took the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from the citizens of Jabesh-Gilead. They had taken them secretly from the public square at Bethshan where the Philistines had hung them after they struck Saul down on Geboah. David brought the bones of Saul, his son Jonathan from there, and the bones of those who had been killed and exposed then were gathered up. They buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the tomb of Saul's father Kish at Zelah in Benjamin and did everything the king commanded. Now I want you to see this. This, this is powerful. Look at Henry's own. He's got it up there. After that, God answered prayer in behalf of the land. I want you to see that. Rispa did two things here. First of all, she interceded, and the first thing that happened was her son did get a proper burial. Not only that, in the whole burial thing, then it enabled David to go and get the bones of Saul, his friend Jonathan, gather them all up, and put them in Saul's father's tomb and bury them with honor. But even greater than that is that second thing that we saw there on that scripture. Remember this whole story started out in chapter 21. Started out with a three-year famine. Started out that God was not answering prayer. Started out that things were going bad. And so David began to seek and he wanted to know what was going. Listen, David had done what? He had given seven sons of Saul over, let the Gibeonites hang them. But guess what? Obviously, according to this scripture, God was still not answering prayer. I want you to follow me. It was not until Rizpah was the faithful woman of God that she was fighting for her boys that eventually drew the attention of the king. And then at that point, after the attention of the king had been gotten, that then the proper burial was given, and then at the last, after that, God answered prayer in behalf of the land. That's amazing to me, folks, that not only did Rizba's intercession affect the burial of her sons, but it affected Saul, Jonathan, their proper burial, and then it affected the prayers of the entire nation. Wow. I don't know about you, but that, I think that's pretty powerful. That when we pray, mamas, when you pray for your babies, did you ever think that your prayers for your babies could then affect an entire nation? I'm telling you, there is nothing more powerful than the power of prayer and intercession. Hallelujah. Would you just lift your hands all over this building right now? Father, we just praise you and we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here in this house. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, God, that 
Lord, I'm not worthy to preach it. I'm just, you just give me this privilege that I have. And I, I pray that it would begin to take root, that the seed would go into good ground. Lord, you begin to do amazing, amazing things, oh Lord. Hallelujah. Father, I do pray for a spirit of intercession. Lord, upon our people, upon our mothers, especially here on Mother's Day, because I believe there is no more powerful intercessor than a mother. I ask, oh Lord, that you would just anoint them and that you would use them, oh God, to intercede on behalf of their children, their grandchildren, Lord, their brothers, their sisters, and, and our nation. Lord, we need you. We need you, oh God. I know it's 12, 14, and I know you've got Mother's Day plans and there's restaurants to go to and all that, but I want to do something that I have done every year I've ever pastored except for last year because we were online only. But I want to ask that every mother in the house, I want to pray over you. I'm going to anoint you with oil. I'm going to put my mask on. I want to ask every mother in the house, would you just come and stand up here right now? Just lift your hands. Would you do that? Just come and stand right up here. If you're a mother, I don't care if, you're, if, if your kids are grown and you got grandkids now. If you are a mother, I just want you to come and I want you to stand up here because I want to pray over you right now. Come on, all of you mamas, come on down here. Just come on down here. I want you to spread out because I want I want the because I'm about to ask the men and the kids in your life to get behind you. So y'all y'all spread out good for me. Now I want you men, husbands and and children. I want you to come get behind these mothers right now. Would you do that? I want you to come and get behind these faithful women of God, these mothers right now, because we're going to pray God's anointing over them. We're going to pray God's blessings over them right now in the name of Jesus. Yeah, y'all come on. I'm not in a hurry right now. Come on, just find find your mama, find your sister, find, I don't care. Come and get behind these ladies. We're going to pray for them right now. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Come on, mamas, put your hands in the air right now, if you will. Put those hands in the air. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. hallelujah. Yes, oh Jesus, yes, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, oh Lord, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for your anointing, Lord, upon these mothers right now. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray for a heavy anointing upon their lives, God. They, Lord, there is nothing like the prayer of a mama. Lord, that spirit of Rizba, Lord, that was upon her, Lord, that she stood in the gap, that she fought off the beasts of the field, that she fought off the birds of the air, that she was not willing to let her children, she was not willing to let her boys just hang there and be devoured by the enemy. Oh God I pray for that same kind of spirit oh Lord. A spirit of an intercessor. Oh God that these wonderful women of God would spread out their sackcloth on the rock of Jesus Christ and they begin to intercede like never before and God that it's going to change some stuff. It's going to change their children. Some of them has been praying a long time but as long as there's breath in their body it is not too late. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let them pray. Let them intercede. Let them beat off the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Oh, with the intercession and their prayers in Jesus' name. The enemy will not have this generation. The enemy will not take this generation. These children belong to you. These women are mighty women of God. They are not weak. They are not feeble. They are mighty anointed 
women of God that are going to pray, that are going to stand in the gap, oh Lord. They're going to make a difference, Lord, in their kids, in their grandkids, and not just them. Lord, just as Rizba changed the nation, they will change the nation. Father, I pray that these women's prayers would change God, their kids, their kids' schools, their kids' friends, the city of Starkville, Octibaha County, the Golden Triangle, Mississippi, the United States of America. Lord, let their prayers. Lord, let their prayers. Let their prayers begin to shake hell. Let their prayers, oh God, begin to do more than they ever imagined possible in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for some, some that may be listening right now. Lord, they may be dealing with the guilt, as I said. Lord, there was some stuff that Rizba, no matter how much she wanted to, she didn't have the power to stop it. We live in a sin-cursed world. We live in a, in a world that has been so, so devastatingly affected by sin. And I know that her ultimate goal, she wishes she could have kept them from the hangman's noose, but she couldn't do it. But God, I pray these women would not give up. Lord, that they wouldn't live in guilt. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, don't let anybody live in guilt. Lord, they can't change everything. They can't, but God, just let us do what we can do. That's all you're asking of us, oh, Lord. Lord, I pray for some mamas. You'd raise them up. Lord, God, some grandmamas, you'd raise them up. Lord, we'd make sure our kids are in church. We'd make sure our kids are hearing the word. We'd make sure that we're beating off the junk from the air, the prince of the power of the air that wants to fill our kids' minds and destroy and warp them, oh God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, ladies, one more time. Just lift those hands and say, Lord, anoint me to be an intercessor. Anoint me to be an intercessor like Rizba. Anoint me to be an intercessor like Rizba, that I will not back down, that I will not stop, that I will pray, that I will pray, that I will fast. Come Oh, mamas, you know what it's about. I told you at the beginning, I had that mental picture of Rizba out there. There's lightning, there's thunder, there's rain. The Bible said it started to rain while the bodies were still in the trees, but she stayed out there with her sackcloth, beating away the coyotes, beating away the wolves, beating away the buzzards, making sure that the enemy would not be able to get her children. Oh, God, through the tough times, through the difficult times, don't let us quit. Don't let us give up, oh Lord. But Lord, let us hold fast. Let us hold fast to you, oh Lord. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we just give you glory. We give you honor and praise, oh Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you are thankful? for your mama today. <laughs> Amen. I'm thankful.